Well, hey everyone, I hope you're doing really well. Uh, it was great to be with you on this Sunday service. Thanks for being a part of today. And uh, we're in the middle of our series on mindfulness. And maybe you're just catching up or you've not been here for the last few weeks or something. Uh, hey, let me just uh, uh, just reintroduce this concept that we've really been talking about two things. Firstly, that God wants us to have a healthy mind. He wants your mind to be full of the right things. Um, you know, we're human beings, we're walking through life and we're going to experience emotions and uh, all of that sort of stuff. Being a Christian does not, uh, you know, allow you to escape from the realities of being human. Uh, you're a human Christian, a Christian human, and there's stuff we're going to walk through. But what I do know is that we can find ourselves, if we're not careful, um, with our mind full of the wrong things. And if your mind is full of anger or resentment or anxiety or fear, I just know that God has a vision for you to help transform your mind and that your mind will be full of the right things, full of gratitude and generosity and peace and joy and, and so on. And so God really does actually want you to be happy. You know, not happy like eat ice cream for breakfast every day, sort of happy, but he just genuinely loves you and cares for you. And isn't that how we approach people that we care about? We genuinely want the best for them. We want them to do well. We want them to be happy. We want them to prosper. And that is very much God's attitude towards you. Um, but the second part of this series we've been looking at um, is not just about um, mental health, but it's also about this idea that God has put something on the inside of you, uh, purpose, calling, uh, dreams, desires, stuff to accomplish, places to go, uh, things to create. And uh, God wants you to go and do those things. You know, they're not there by accident. Uh, they're part of um, your purpose. And we've got to purify our desires and submit to God and all those things. Um, but if you are going to fulfill what God is asking you to do, um, you better believe that you are going to need to experience a transformation in the way that you think, to overcome the challenges that are going to come your way, uh, to deal with the obstacles and even our own self-doubt and imposter syndrome and coping with failure and things like that. You're going to need to um, be full of confidence. Uh, you're going to need to figure out how to be innovative. And your mind is going to need to be full of all of those things, courage and daring to step out and get back up again. And so uh, I just know that God wants us not only to be healthy, but God wants us to be strong in our thinking so that we can fulfill our purpose. And so we've been in our series, Mindfulness. Um, well, today we are talking about a pretty important topic. Um, it's called the theology of sadness. And um, this is not something we talk about very much. Um, I think in part just because uh, it's just not a very nice thing to talk about. <laughs> the reality that life is full of suffering. And um, I think we have uh, a duty as pastors and preachers, uh, not just to present uh, all of the bells and whistles and not just to present all of the glory and the hope and the wonder and the dreams and the purpose, but we actually talk about the full spectrum of life to, and develop as a church a theology around some of these topics, such as sadness, uh, suffering. Um, you know, Jesus was known, uh, described in Isaiah as a man of sorrows because he suffered so much on the cross. And so... You know, part of us thinks, well, you know, uh, Jesus suffered so that we don't have to. And in part, that's true because Jesus did things that we couldn't do. He went before us. He made a way so that we could be included in all of the goodness of God. But the reality is also that Jesus says, you got to follow me to the cross. And um, the cross is unmistakably 
a place of suffering. So, hey, I'm not sure we should be waking up in the morning thinking, great, I hope today's a terrible day. I'm not sure where we're, we're anticipating, we're expecting, we're looking forward to suffering because you would be quite strange if that was the case. Uh, that's definitely not the case for me. <laughs> but what I do think is that I think it's important that we sh- we're not surprised by the idea of suffering. We're not surprised by the the reality of suffering when it does appear. And this is by no means a prophecy, but let me just say that uh, suffering will be in your life. Uh, You will face difficulties, you will face challenges, and um, it's important that we're adequately prepared so that we don't, um, you know, there's, there's nothing that sends a person's mind spiraling downwards faster than being surprised by suffering. Uh, So when we tell people, hey, come and uh, get to know Jesus and all of your problems will go away. Hey, come on. Yeah, life's fantastic. Life's amazing. Like, sure, there are some parts of that that are absolutely true and absolutely wonderful about following Jesus. But we do people a disservice because when they actually experience life or when they grow up and they stop being a young person where everything's in your favor, (laughs) but you get a little bit older, you're going to realize, wow, this is a, and we can uh, protect people and save people from cynicism, from despair, from depression, from serious mental health implications by adequately building up a theology of sadness. So let's not be uh, surprised by suffering. So let's go to the scripture right here. This is going to be a message full of hope because this is good news, but it's important that we cover all the bases. So uh, Paul says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since it would have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, if we're honest, that's normally where we would stop. You know, we've got access through faith. We've got peace with God. Uh, We've got grace. uh, We're rejoicing. We've got hope. We've got glory. It's like awesome. But It also goes on to say this. So let's read what it says in verse 3. Not only that, not all of that stuff, not just all of that that we just read, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Okay? (laughs) There it is right there. You will find this throughout the scripture in a thousand places. This is not an isolated text. It's really important that we develop a proper theology around uh, suffering. It says, known that suffering produces... uh, endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Okay, so this is really interesting. Paul is saying here, we rejoice in our suffering. So my question is, does that mean we're excited about suffering? No. What Paul is saying here is, is Paul is saying, hey, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, and also in the midst of our sufferings, we're still rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. We don't need to be weird about suffering. (laughs) Lord, let me suffer more. No one ever prays that. Why? Because nobody likes suffering. But even in the midst of suffering, we know that God is able to use suffering to produce something good in us. In fact, it is actually the mechanism by which God prepares us for the glory of God. Suffering prepares us for eternity. Okay, let's read one more scripture. 
Hebrews 12, um, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance to the race that is set before us, looking to who? Jesus. He's the founder and perfecter of our faith. So he's the measure of what being a Christian is going to be like. (laughs) He's the firstborn of many. We are being invited to follow him uh, into eternal life. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So the joy that was set before Jesus was not, of course, the cross itself. Jesus You know, he wasn't looking at the cross. He endured the cross by looking to what was uh, set ahead of him, which was the being at the right hand of the throne of God, overcoming sin and so on. And, And not just himself being there, but being the firstborn of many, that we would be included in this. This is what Jesus was looking to. He was looking to the hope. He was looking to the glory of God being shared with all of us. And then it says this, consider him. Jesus, who endured from sin as such hostility against himself, that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exaltation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children. There's a great word for that in the King James. And no sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who've disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, of course, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Okay, so, so, so here, we, here we have some pretty big concepts that we need to get our head around. First of all, is that, 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 first of all, God doesn't create suffering. That's pretty important to say. God is good. Um, there is suffering in our world as a result of sin. And we're going to talk about three places that suffering comes from um, in a moment. But, but God definitely is into discipline. God is trying to prepare us. And so what does God do? God takes suffering from this world. And it's like, just as Jesus takes death and uses it on the cross as as the victory stroke, um, that we too follow Jesus to the cross. And through that death, the flesh is put to death. We experience life. God also inverts here suffering. Instead of being something that oppresses us and, and a tool of the devil to steal and kill and destroy our life, God takes suffering and he uses it as a tool to discipline us so that we would grow up to be mature and therefore ready for the eternal life that God has for us. This is the hope. The hope is of the glory of God. Eternal life, heaven, where we're going to be in a place where this is going to be amazing. And we're going to have a new body. It's going to be a new earth. And there will be no more pain. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more suffering. It's going to be humanity 2.0, earth 2.0. It's going to be awesome. But right now we're here in earth 1.0. 
We're here in humanity 1.0. <laughs> and God is using suffering to discipline us so that we would be ready. Now, really interesting here. He says, hey, God's treating you as sons. And really interestingly here, you know, back in the day of around when this was written, you know, daughters didn't have an inheritance. That was the cultural context they were in. Only the sons would be, you know, they would get the inheritance from the father. Now, now God is saying to all of us, male and female, God is treating you as sons, meaning God has given you the rights of a son, a right, the rights to the family of God, which you don't deserve. You shouldn't have, but Jesus has made a way for every single one of us to have the rights of the son. What's the rights of the son? That we would have an inheritance to the father's house. So what is God doing right here? God has an inheritance for us, but the only way we take hold of the inheritance is if we are willing to go through the process of sonship, the process of discipleship, the process of suffering. Suffering is how God perfects us. He doesn't create it, but he uses it. And so we as Christians, we need to stop telling people that life is going to be perfect with Jesus. We need to stop being so surprised when pain comes our way, not because we want it, because nobody wants it. <laughs> That's the whole point. But we have a father in heaven who is using it to perfect us so that we would be made holy. You know, when I look through times of my life where I have experienced a period of difficulty or suffering, whether that's been at the hands of myself through just silly decision making or that's been external factors in my life, I can honestly say that whilst I would never have chosen it, I am grateful for what has been produced in me and I would now not change those moments. This is the power of suffering, God uses it to prepare us for eternity. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We're thinking, if suffering is here, this is an opportunity for God to change me. And so I'm gonna humble myself and submit myself to the hand of God. Um, okay, so three types of, of suffering that might come our way. Um, the first one is this, um, it's self-inflicted. <laughs> Everybody is experiencing this. <laughs> we have all made decisions that are not very good. And uh, some might even say stupid, but I'm just talking personally. I'm not putting that on you. But whether you're a Christian or not, we're all making decisions that are causing suffering in our lives. Um, you know, we're making financial decisions that are delaying things in our future. We've got to deal with that in our future. So suffering is sometimes just stored up decision making of things that we've sowed that will just come around. And as a Christian, you don't escape those things. Um, you know, you can't just get run around being stupid thinking it's all right, faith in God will sort it. No, you have to learn to be wise. And so this is the discipline process because think of heaven kind of like becoming a mature adult. You know, we've got four kids and, and our kids, you know, if, if our youngest kid who's one years old, if he like drops his cereal on the floor, which is very common, 
Um, you know, we don't make him like pick it up and clean it up because he can't. He, he doesn't understand. He doesn't have the capacity to do that properly. And so there are some things that we will do for him that God will do for us when we're in a place of immaturity, when we're in a place of just we're, we're fresh, we're newborn baby Christians. And God will work on our behalf and God will protect us from certain things and just deliver us uh, because we are not capable of doing those things. But if our older kids do some of those things, like if our eight-year-old drops cereal all over the floor, you better believe we are not there saying, oh, poor you, let me sort that out for you. We're saying, well, you better get, you know where the brush is? Get it out. You know where the cloth is? Go sort that stuff out. And by the way, you're not doing anything until you've done that. And if she turns around and goes, oh, but it wasn't my fault. And you better believe that she's going to spend a very long time waiting for that moment to, to move on to whatever the next thing is because she has to deal with the mess that she has created. This is part of the process of growing up. And as our kids get older and as we get older, we, we are released with uh, more freedom. As we mature in Christ, God expects more of us. And so part of this, this, this process of, of one part of suffering, not all suffering is self-inflicted, it's important to say, but some of it is. And for some of us, a lot of our suffering is self-inflicted. We don't need other people to do it. We're doing it to ourselves. And so uh, we need to learn the lesson that God is trying to, to, to teach us. It's not just about suffering and getting through because plenty of people get through suffering, but they don't learn the lesson. And the people of Israel, they spent 40 years wandering around the wilderness, going over the same places and the same things because they did not learn the lesson. Um, they, they, I believe they could have repented before God, but they, they just kept making the same mistakes, same mistakes, same mistake, walking through the same stuff. And so God will allow us to just come full circle, full circle. And there are people in your world that you know are stuck in a circle and it's easy to look in and say, oh gosh, if they just did that, they'd just fix all their stuff. But when it comes to ourselves and our own version of suffering we need to understand that it is possible to create more suffering and that is not necessarily something you want to do because when you mature you're actually going to see less self-inflicted suffering you're going to make less mistakes and so we need to read the bible and we need to get the word of God on, on the inside of us. And we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And we need to clean up our lives. We need to stop doing some of the silly things that we used to do. You know, when you're a teenager, it might have been all right hanging out with your mates, drinking a bit too much. But now that you're an adult, come on, it's time to stop, to put away the childish things. And um, you know, when you were immature as a Christian, it might have been all right just to be in and out of relationships and living over here with this person and so-and-so. But now you're a mature Christian. It is time to let the commitment come into your relationship. It's time to get marriage in the picture, to stop living casual sex and to come into just a proper relationship with God. You see, when we're immature, there's a lot of grace. But over time, God wants us to move. He wants us to move from being a baby to being a toddler, to being a child, to being a, a, a teenager, an adolescent, a young adult, and to mature with the wisdom of God. This is what suffering does. Suffering teaches us what is right and what is wrong. As I said, not all suffering is self-inflicted, but there are sufferings that we are experiencing right now that are self-inflicted. And the most important thing we can do is say, God, is to humble ourselves. Say, God, what's, what's the lesson here? 
What, what am I doing wrong that I, that I, need, to, I, I need to take note of uh, today? How can I change my life? And this is why we need the church and we need each other because we need people who are more mature than us to say, hey, you need to make this change. Um, but they're going to find it very hard to do that unless you open up your life to them. This is how God's designed the church. When we are full of pride and we, I know best, we're going to find that we will experience more suffering. But when we humble ourselves and we say, please tell me what I should do. I feel like you've got some wisdom here that could really help me out. What do you think about this? You're going to find that God exalts the humble and suffering doesn't have to be quite so intense. So the self-inflicted suffering uh, and self-inflicted suffering is often linked to others inflicted suffering. And sometimes there are people in our life who are just cruel, just mean, and we experience things that come our way. And um, that's really difficult. And the Bible says this is going to happen. 1 Peter um, says this um, in uh, chapter 3, verse 8 says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Even if it's kind of justified, even if they did it first. (laughs) Verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, uh, for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that you, when you are slandered, not if you're slandered, but when you're slandered, <laughs> those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. So here, right here, we've got another reminder that sometimes God is okay with you suffering. <laughs> but it's not because he hates you, it's because he loves you. God is allowing suffering to develop your character. And this right here, I mean, can you imagine if every person in our society treated evil and wrongdoing with this sort of spirit? Instead of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, well, you did this to me, so I'm going to do this to you, and it escalates, uh, we would see violence drop. We would see uh, all sorts of suffering and pain in our world, and we would see drop, and we would see healing flow. In our land, it begins with the Christian who realizes, hey, even when other people are cruel and unkind and more than that, even when people revile and slander and all sorts of things, then my responsibility is to bless, is to keep a sweet spirit. You're going to find that process uh, doesn't come naturally. (laughs) You're going to find that you don't want to do that. But the Bible tells us, hey, when other people cause us to suffer, We're not rejoicing in the suffering itself, but we're rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. And we know that God is just. God will deal with all things. So we're going to be a blessing. We're not going to sink to the level of those who oppose us. We're going to instead rise to a level of grace. Now, we should create boundaries in our lives. And this is where sometimes we can create uh, our own uh, suffering where we allow others. We give people permission in our life. 
Um, we, we enter into relationships with people who are controlling or manipulating, all these sort of things. And so we need to be wise. We need to learn to create boundaries. We need to learn to say no and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we need to understand that God is calling us to be a blessing. And the third type of suffering is this is kind of in the world. You know, we've got self-inflicted, we've got others inflicted, we've got world inflicted. Sometimes there are things happening way beyond our control, you know, in the political sphere, war and famine or uh, financial crisis and, and, and so on. There are things that we are going to walk through um, in this world. And uh, we just need to know that God is with us, but God will use every single bit of suffering that comes your way to, to, to create something great on the inside of you, to mature you, to develop you. And uh, I know um, that, that, that God is good. And so let me just encourage you today. Maybe you're walking through something today. Maybe thinking, I don't know about this. Hey, let me just say that God is good. And if you trust him, if you cling to him, you will come through this. You will walk through this. Um, suffering is a call to prayer. This is what it says in James 5, verse 13. It says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Okay. Suffering is a call to prayer. I think it's really interesting here that James is saying, if anyone is suffering, let him pray. In other words, I mean, it's good to pray with other people who are, you know, in difficulty. Let's do that. But principally, mostly, when we experience suffering, it is an opportunity for us to draw near to God. And you'll find that um, without it, you wouldn't draw near to God. <laughs> without it, you might, you might forget about God. But with it, it is a call to pray. And so James isn't saying, hey, just kind of, you know, moan about it, complain about it. Uh, he isn't saying, oh, I'll get someone else to pray for you, although you can do that as well. He's saying, this is your opportunity to pray. I don't know about you, but when I'm having a tough time, that is the last time I feel like praying. That is, that is like the furthest away from God. I'm just like, God, I'm, I'm just not in a place to pray. James says, that's the time you should be praying. That's the time that is going to do something on the inside of you. It's going to create endurance. It's going to create strength. It's going to create something that is going to produce ultimately hope that is going to prepare you for the glory of God. If anyone is suffering, let him pray. Oh, friends, I just sense right now, God is calling us to pray. Some of you are walking through some things. The, it's like you haven't dealt with them. It's like you've just, you just kind of, I don't know, maybe you've tried to faith it away. Oh, maybe these problems would disappear. Or maybe you've just simply ignored it. You pushed it down. Or maybe you've just simply been frustrated and angry even with God. Saying, God, what's going on here? I, I've served you. I, I, my heart's in the right place. And Friends, if anyone is suffering, let him pray. I found in my life that the quicker I respond to God, the quicker I learn the lessons and the less suffering there is. Suffering is going to come whether we like it or not, but we get to choose the magnitude of the pain that we experience. I'd love to pray for us today just as we close this message. God, I thank you for every person watching today. And I just... Uh, 
you see where they are. You see their pain. You see their, their brokenness right now. I just pray, Lord, that they would feel your presence and your comfort. We have not been promised a life without suffering, but we have been promised a life with your presence. And so, God, we pray, let whatever is taking place in our world that is outside of our control, God, we pray that it would have its full work in us and would produce everything that you want it to produce. And God, where there is stuff we need to learn and wisdom we need to implement and, and steps that we need to take in our life to move out of some of the mess that maybe we've even created, God, I pray that you would give us your spirit and powers and help us to see clearly about our life. And I pray convict us, Lord, of every sin and everything in us that is rebelling against your way that produces stuff that we don't really want to have in our life. And we humble ourselves before you and we pray, Lord, uh, that you would come and heal us from the inside out. In the name of Jesus, amen. I hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you. God bless you guys.